Paul writes in uh, in Romans chapter 14, and he says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. So it's not a matter of the external natural things we do. He says the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Um, and, and that's how God wants us to live. He wants us to live from our spirit in the reality of what the kingdom is. And so righteousness, um, peace, and joy, um, that, that we understand that we have been made righteous because of the sacrifice of Jesus. And we talk about that quite a lot. But we've also been given a peace. And that peace comes from that deep sense of security because we know that we will spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. Um, and so that overflows then into this sense of joy, a supernatural joy that we can live in every day. And, and certainly with everything that's been going on around in the world at the moment, and there's, I mean, it's, apart from the virus, you've got this protest going on, you've got all of this disquiet and this uneasiness that's happening in the world today that it, you can lose your joy very quickly. You can lose your sense of security. You think what in the world is going on? But joy, true joy is an essential part of the kingdom. It's an essential part of Christian life and experience. It's, it's the natural um, outflow, if you, if you will, of the, of the Holy Spirit's work within us. It's an evidence of, of Jesus in us. And so when we receive um, that wonderful gift of God's love that we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, that produces something. It produces the fruit of a, of, of a changing character. When you're filled with the revelation of, and, and reality of God's love, then that love flows out of you. But equally, when we're, when we're filled with a revelation of God's goodness, <clears throat> of his kindness, of his eternal plans for our lives, then, then that should fill us with a joy that this life can never bring. Um, and it actually flows out of us, as I said before, with a, with a changed character. It, it causes us to live differently. And some people don't like the idea of preaching or talking about character because, you know, we, we can sometimes get all nervous, you know. Um, but I believe that it, it's something that we should embrace with a passion that we want to see our lives changed and transformed into the image of Jesus because it's descriptive of the divine nature that's in us, that, that we're meant to walk in and see developed in our lives every day. And so you know, we've been talking about this whole series of living, living a holy life. What is it to live a holy life? And that has to do with character. Um, when we see more and more of the attributes of Jesus, of, of his life, evidenced in our life, then we know that we're being changed from one degree of glory to the next level of glory. And, and that, for me, is exciting. That's not something that we should be afraid of or daunted by or nervous about. But one of the reasons I think that we can avoid this subject a bit is because we can sometimes feel guilty that we're not seeing enough of that in our life. We're not seeing enough evident, evidence of the life of Christ in us. But I want to tell us this morning, we don't need to feel guilty, folks. There's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. But it should bring us to a place of uh, acknowledgement that we still need to see more of God in our life. We still need and we desire to see more of the Holy Spirit active in our life. 
So Paul says here in Galatians 5, if you've got it there, um, verse 16, he says, so I say live by the Spirit. That's, that's saying live by the divine nature, the divine nature that's in you so that you live out of your spirit that is intertwined with the Holy Spirit. Your spirit is connected to and is relying on the life of the Holy Spirit in us all the time. And so he says, if you live by the Spirit, you will not gratify the desires of the simple nature. And then he goes on and gives a big long list of all of those things, the evidence of living with the influence of an old nature. Doesn't say you've got that old nature, but the influence of it still trying to impose itself on you. Then verse 22, he says this, but the fruit of the spirit, that which is, is naturally produced as we surrender to and receive the nature of God is love, it's joy, it's patience, it's kindness, it's goodness, it's faithfulness, it's gentleness, it's self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have crucified the simple nature with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step. Let's keep walking with, let's keep living out the reality of this divine nature and the Holy Spirit in us. And so one of the characteristics of God in our lives should be supernatural joy, not just mere earthly joy. Earthly joy, worldly joy is <clears throat> dependent on our circumstances. It, it's it, Our emotions end up being driven by what's going on around us on any particular day. But spiritual joy is something different because spiritual joy is determined by other factors. Um, the, the Greek word for joy is the word chara, and it's used over 160 times just in the New Testament. Um, and it means this, it's, it's a joy that's birthed in the spirit. So it's not, it's not birthed in your head. It's not, it's not birthed in your emotions. It's birthed in your spirit whose foundation is God. It's a state of cheerfulness. It will overflow into your emotions. It will overflow into your mind, into your being. It's, it's a sense of calm, delight, and gladness. And it comes from God himself. So he is the very source of that supernatural joy. So I want to give us four truths about, about spiritual joy this morning. And we'll just see how far we get. I've, got, I've probably got way too many notes for, for today. Um, but we'll just see, see how far we get with, with this little study. So number one, um, regarding spiritual joy, is, and it's obvious, but true joy is divine in nature. It's divine in nature. Its very source is God. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We don't produce it. He does. Um, it's, it's, it's simply nothing. It's, it's something we can't produce in our, in our life by our own, own efforts, by our um, own trying to be joyful. You know, all you're going to produce then is a pseudo happiness. But that's not true joy. Now, true joy is divine in its very nature. David writes in Psalm 16 and verse 11, he says, you have made known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. That's why David had such a hunger for the presence of God, the tangible, manifest presence of God, because he knew if he could get in God's presence, then, then one of the natural outflows of that would be joy, true joy, true pleasure 
can only be found in one place, and that's in God. And so without that, that ongoing relationship with God himself, you will never experience true joy. Peter writes in 1 Peter 1, <clears throat> verse 18, he says, um, you believe in him and you exalt and thrill with inexpressible, triumphant, heavenly joy. That's, that's the Amplified Bible's version, but I love that one because it just expands it into something that is, I think, really tangible. Man, inexpressible, glorious, triumphant, heavenly joy. So on one side, he says, it's inexpressible. I haven't got words to explain it. But then he says, man, it is glorious. It's triumphant. It is heavenly joy. So he does find a way of actually describing how he feels. It's a, it, it is a joy that's beyond description, beyond what human words can fully explain. But there is some way of actually expressing himself. But we, we are surrounded by such a negative world, and, and especially with everything that's going on, at the moment, it, it, it seems like a world of extremes, a world of <clears throat> too much. There's too much violence. There's too much poverty. There's too much hatred and, and sadness and grief and sorrow. There's, there's, there's too much sickness. There's too much suffering and, and, and death and debt and, and loneliness. We, we need something that goes beyond that. We need something divine in our life. We, we, we need the joy of God. <clears throat> um, it's hard asking questions when we're just on Zoom. It's much easier when, when people are in the same room, but um, I'm sure if I was to throw this question out, how many of you are always joyful? We wouldn't have anybody who could put a hand up. You know, none of us, I, I think, could could echo Peter's words where we say we're, we're filled with inexpressible joy 24 hours a day. Um, you know, I don't think any of us are living in the full expression of, good, of God's joy that he wants to deposit in our life. And so I think that leaves every one of us, we, we have this, we need more joy in our life. I know I do. I'll put my hand up straight away. I need more of the joy in my life because there's, so much junk that goes on around us that robs us, that wants to try and, and, and rob us. Um, people are led to believe that if they can just get more money, if they can just get more things, they can get more recognition or fame, then they'll be happier. But, but the joy of the Lord is not based on those kinds of things. It's not based on getting more of those things. It's based on having an intimate, meaningful relationship with God himself knowing the love of God and the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. It's, it's knowing and feeling the intimacy of the Holy Spirit. And so joy, true joy is not just an emotion. It's not simply a state of heart. It, it, it's a lifestyle. It's where we live from. <clears throat> you look at the life of Jesus and he was able to maintain his joy despite the, the ridicule, the persecution, the things he went through. In fact, it says in Hebrews, Hebrews 12, it says, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. And you and I are that joy for him. We were his joy. The fact that through the cross, we would be set free. That through the cross, we would be able to come into a 
into an eternal loving relationship with the Father. And that brought Jesus great joy. It, it empowered him, uh, it strengthened him to be able to go through some very difficult times. And that's what joy is meant to do. Divine supernatural joy is meant to strengthen us and empower us to push through difficulties. <clears throat> and we see that in the life of Paul. <clears throat> Excuse me. In Philippians, he writes that his great um, letter of joy. And while he's in, in prison, he's under house arrest in chains. And he writes things like, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. 16 times he talks about joy in that little letter, four little chapters. Um, the disciples, despite persecution, were filled with joy. You see that in Acts 13. The early church filled with joy, despite the suffering and the persecution and some of the hardship that they went through. It's amazing when you read some of the stories of how the Christians were martyred. You know, they'd be standing in those arenas while lions would be released to, to devour them and they would just stand praising God, filled with joy. That's, the, that's a divine joy. That's not natural joy. That is something that is beyond words. That is a supernatural um, experience that, that they lived from. They had the reality of heavenly divine joy filling their lives, even though they faced difficult times, simply because they knew God. They knew him personally. And, and I want that kind of joy. I want to live with that kind of joy every day. Um, and sometimes we lose our joy. And I think that's because we lose sight of the source of our joy. And I think we just need to remind ourselves of, of what he's done for us. And the more we remind ourselves of what God has done for us, the more we will see him. Now, Paul talks about that, that, we, that as we behold him, as we see Jesus, the more we can see of Jesus, the more we can see of what he's done for us and the, the amazing work on the cross through his, through his resurrection and ascension, what that really means for us. Folk, it fills us, as Peter writes, with an inexpressible joy. And I think we all need that. Every single one of us need that. And so I want to give you some reasons for joy quickly here. Um, number one, salvation. Paul writes in, in Ephesians 2.8, probably one of the verses that we know um, very well, that it's by grace we have been saved through faith, not from ourselves, but it is a gift of God, um, not of our works so that we don't boast in what we've done, but we boast in the goodness. We boast in the grace of God. But we were saved by grace. We didn't earn it. We've been given the greatest gift of all time for free. That has to make you happy. Um, in Acts 16, we read that the story of Paul and Silas, they're in jail where they've been thrown in prison in, in Philippi and they're worshipping God at midnight and, you know, you know the story, an earthquake comes, and there's this great shaking, the prison doors get broken open, open even the chains get broken off of their, their hands and legs. And the Philippian jailer panics because he thinks all, all the prisoners are going to escape. And that's going to mean the end of his life. He's going to suffer death as punishment because all these pr prisoners released were, were, were set free. Um, and yet they all call out. Paul calls out and he says, don't worry, we're all still here. Now, you read the story and it goes on and it says that Philippian jailer, jailer in the end, he responds to the message 
of the gospel, he's saved and he is filled with joy. Filled with joy. I mean, in the natural, if just one of those guys escaped, he was that was the end of him. He was in trouble. But it says he he he, he stopped panicking, he stopped worrying, and he was filled with joy. Got saved, he and his whole household. So salvation is a great reason for us to be joyful every single day. And especially when you get deeper and deeper revelation of the fact that you can't lose it. You are safe and secure in the hand of God. That should bring us great joy. Number two is that we've been released from the curse of the law. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. All punishment has been completely annulled. Folk, you are completely set free. And so Paul writes later, two chapters later in chapter five, he says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stay free. Stand in that freedom. Man, how many Christians get bombarded every single day with feelings of guilt and condemnation, feelings that they're just not quite making it, that, that, they've, that they've got to go through all of these religious rituals to try and make sure that they're staying forgiven and staying saved and staying in, that, in right standing with God. Man, if we could just get deeper revelation of salvation and what Jesus took upon himself, every bit of curse, every bit of punishment, we would live a whole lot freer. And the freer you live, the more you live from that place of joy. So we've been released from the curse of the law. We've received the gift of eternal life. And that's a reason to be happy. That, that, that instills within us a deep sense of joy, a deep sense of gratitude towards God, of thankfulness. We've been made new creations, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. All the old is gone, the new has come. Folk, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. You have new heavenly DNA. You have the very nature of Christ in you. Everything from the old has passed away. Recreated beings. Newness has come. All of those hindering factors from my past have been dealt with by the cross. I've got a brand new future in Christ, but he expunged my past. We might have memories of it. We might have memories of it. But God doesn't. He just sees from the day you were born right the way through to now, you are just as righteous as Jesus. And he sees you as though you have never, ever, 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 ever seen. <clears throat> that should give us joy. If we could just live in, in the reality, in, in, in the revelation of that, and in the heavenly re reality of that, Man, that would change our life. It would, it really would change our life. You would live with such a sense of innocence and such a sense of purity. And, and that's where God wants us to live from that position. We've been adopted as children of God to everyone who has received Him, who has believed in His name. He has given you the right to become children of God. And that's who you are. That's what uh, Jesus, uh, Jesus said that in John 1, 12. Uh, 
But in 1 John 3, he says that God has lavished his love upon us as his children, his beloved children. And that's who we are. We have been adopted as children of God. We are heirs to the promises of God. That every promise is yes and amen in Christ Jesus. We cry out by the, by the reality of the spirit in us. We cry out, Abba, Father, adopted as his children. And we live in the blessings of being sons and children of God. Every promise, yes and amen in Christ. We've been given all of our sin. <clears throat> He's faithful and just to forgive us all of our sin, to purify us of all unrighteousness. He doesn't hold any of our sin against us anymore. We've been forgiven forever. And he has chosen to forget all of our sin, to cast it away from us, to remember it no more. We've, we've, <clears throat> we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Ephesians 1.3, God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. We don't, we don't, we don't live in 5% of those spiritual blessings in reality. And I think one of the reasons, because we, we just don't realize what we have received. We don't realize what's available to us. And so we kind of go through life scratching around, trying to get more when we don't understand that we already have. It's what we have already received. We're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We've, we've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've been transformed and we, we are forever changing from one degree of glory to another. You didn't start in the gutter. You started in a place of glory the moment you said yes to Jesus. We've been given authority. We've been, we've been seated in a divine heavenly place in Christ, with Christ, and everything is under his feet. Jesus says you have authority to tread on snakes and scorpions. That's spiritual code for, for the demonic realm. You have the authority to tread on it. When it tries to come into your home, when it tries to come into your life, you have an authority to deal with it. Folks, they are reasons to be happy. They are reasons to be filled with joy and to live from that place of joy. So, so true joy is divine in nature. And there's a lot of reasons why we should be happy. Number two, <clears throat> excuse me, while I just have a sip of water. Um, divine joy releases supernatural strength. It releases supernatural strength. Now, if you got a Bible, um, I think I gave you most of these scriptures that we were going to look at today. We won't look at all of them, but uh, Nehemiah chapter 8, way back in the, in the Old Testament, you can turn there, Nehemiah chapter 8. If you know any of the background of, of the book of Nehemiah, um, Israel has been in captivity in, uh, in Babylon. Um, the kingdom had the kingdom of Israel had been divided and then it had been invaded uh, on two different occasions. And many of the people had been taken away into captivity. The, the temple had been destroyed. The city had been destroyed. 
And then uh, a number of years later, um, a, a two group of people were released to go back to Israel and to rebuild the temple. So the first group went back under Ezra and they relayed the foundation of the temple and then rebuilt the temple. And then the, the second lot went back under Nehemiah and they rebuilt the walls of the city and reestablished Jerusalem. Um, <clears throat> but in Nehemiah chapter 8, we see Ezra, the priest, had he, he gathered all of the people together and he begins to read from the books of Moses, um, which had been lost. The people just had, hadn't been reading scripture. The, the law had, had, had gone. Um, and, and they'd lost this, this almost this ability for them as a, as a nation to hear God. There were a few individual people like Ezra um, and others who, who were hearing God and were speaking, but largely across the nation, they, they, they'd almost abandoned God. And so we, we, read, we see that Ezra stands up in front of the people, gathers them together, and he begins to read. And he read for days, just morning till night from the scriptures. So verse 9, he says this. He says, this day is sacred to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep. For all the people had been weeping as they had listened to the words of the Lord. Now, remember, what were they listening to? Even though the law is holy and pure, what did the Lord do? It just exposed their sin. And so for them in their ears, they weren't really hearing good news. They were feeling guilty because of their disobedience. Um, and that's the way that so many Christians sadly live. They live with this low-grade virus and this heaviness of guilt because they feel like they're mourning, they're weeping, they're sorrowful, they're, some, some are sulking, you know, they're, some are playing the pity party, you know, woe is me. Um, so we need to hear the joy of the Lord. We need the joy of God to break in upon us. Break us out of that monotonous syndrome that saps our drive and passion and our energy. Now, now look at what happens next. Verse 10. So Nehemiah stands up and he says, Go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred to our Lord. Do not grieve. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. But when we, when we understand that we live under a new covenant, when we live under better promises, there is no guilt. There is no condemnation. This is a day to rejoice. Every day for you and I should be a day to rejoice. Verse 11 says, The Levites calmed all the people, saying, Be still and be at peace. For this is a sacred day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink, to send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy because they now understood the words that have been made known to them. And this is why I'm so passionate about speaking the message of the grace of God because when people hear it and they understand it, they can celebrate with great joy when they, when they understand, when, when, these, when the truth of the gospel, the pure gospel has been made known to them, then that's a time to celebrate. But joy is a spiritual force when we understand the power that's contained in it. Not when we just have some external feeling of it, 
but when we have revelation of it. And so it, it says there that joy of the Lord is our strength. It imparts strength into our life. Jesus maintained his joy. Even when he was arrested, when he was spat on, when he was whipped, when he was tortured, when he was crucified, he still had a joy that enabled him to endure. Despite the cross, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He endured it because he had a supernatural strength that filled him and enabled him to persevere. Um, I think it's a foolish Christian who believes um, that life will just be a bed of roses when you get saved. You know, to to the reality is to live as a believer today is not easy. It's not always easy. Uh, I think it's one of the reasons why <clears throat> why many people they create a a pseudo religious bubble around themselves to try and insulate themselves from the world but in doing so we end up becoming ineffective to the world because we never rub shoulders with it and that's why we need the joy of god we need the joy of god to actually strengthen us and enable us and empower us to be able to go out there and to make a difference we, we need more than human strength we need a supernatural enablement that keeps us going, and that's the joy of the Lord. Paul maintained his joy. I've just, the, the first three days of this week, four days of this week, um, <clears throat> I've uh, been recording a message for, for Chad for three days, and uh, that's going to air next week on his, um, on his, in his church on joy. Um, on how, and, and it's all based around Paul's experience uh, when he was under arrest in, in Rome, how Paul was able to maintain his joy. You know, he spent a large part of his Christian life in jail, oppressed and beaten and whipped, and he was stoned several times, left for dead and shipwrecked. Um, and, yet, and yet we've got most of, three quarters of the New Testament is written by him with with these great words of encouragement and 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 one of the things that overflow from his life is joy two two real distinctives i may have mentioned this last week two real distinctives in paul's life one is that he went through hardship on a regular basis he really did he went through difficult times but secondly joy was always overflowing he had this constant theme of joy and rejoicing in god despite the fact that much of his life was spent in prison. What enabled Paul, what enabled him to do that? Simply that he, he had the joy of the Lord and it strengthened him. It was his source. And he, and he learned how to live remaining, living from that place of joy. And so joy is, is divine in nature. <clears throat> joy, is, joy releases supernatural strength upon us and uh let me just see if i can quickly do one more and we'll have to look at the next the others next week so number three joy is a is a supernatural weapon not only is it divine in nature not only is it gives us 
supernatural strength, but it's actually a supernatural weapon that we have. Um, you know, many, <clears throat> many Christians become occupied, over-occupied, preoccupied with this thing of spiritual warfare. And uh, look, I've got on my left here, I've got a, a whole shelf in one of my bookshelves on all books on, on prayer and spiritual warfare. I've got a whole lot of stuff on it. Um, and I, I grew up um, as a teenager with a lot of that stuff being really drilled into me. You know, this need to fight and put on your armor every single day and do this and do that. And, and uh, as I've gained more and more understanding of the grace of God, and that we have his promises to stand in. As I've gained more revelation of what true authority is, to have authority in Christ, the less and less of all those religious protocols regarding spiritual warfare have just fallen off because I've found that so much of them, folk, are just superfluous stuff that is nothing more than self-effort, trying to G ourselves up and... It's been a real eye-opener to me to understand um, that if I just stand in Christ and rest in him, then just with a simple spoken word in faith, it'll achieve far more than hours and hours and hours of trying to scream at the devil and demand the devil and demons do certain things. It's understanding who we are in Jesus. It releases power into our lives. Now, there is a war, it's true, but there, there is a battle um, and there can be a battle in, in our own minds at times. And that's where most of it is. It's in, our, it's in our own minds, in our thinking. It's trying to completely break free from all of the, <clears throat> all of the um, influence of the old covenant, all the influence of, of old religious thinking. That's where the battle is. It's breaking free from that so that we live in complete freedom and liberty of the new covenant. Now, the Bible does speak about spiritual war and it does speak about spiritual weapons. And it does say that we need to be clothed in spiritual armor. But the most powerful spiritual weapons that we have is not to scream and shout in some kind of prayer. It's not to continually be trying to bind the devil. It's not protesting against the wrongs of our society. It's resting under the cleansing blood of Jesus. It's living in his grace. It's living totally secure in him, guilt-free. It's living with his peace and his love and his joy in our life. So that from that position, we can then exert spiritual authority through faith in Christ. And Paul appropriates joy as a weapon. In Philippians 1, verse 4, he says, In all my prayers for you, I always pray with joy. And he goes on to talk about um, that, that, that the joy that he has is because he is in a, um, in a relationship, in a, in a liaison with the Philippian church for the gospel. And so the fact that, that he's joined together with people who are, who are sharing the gospel, who are spreading the gospel, gives him great joy. And he knows that that is a weapon against 
the, the, the things that have been coming against him, the oppression and the, I mean, remember, he's writing this in chains. And yet he says, man, I'm filled with joy because we are together in this thing spreading the gospel. He says in 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 16, it says, be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you in Christ. And then he says this. He ends that verse and says, do not put out the Spirit's fire. Lack of joy quenches the Spirit. But when you understand joy is a weapon, man, the spirit rages within you. Joy is a spiritual force that energizes faith. <clears throat> if, if you're in a place of despair, despondency, it, it, it's, it can be difficult to pray with faith. But when you're full of joy, then faith rises, it, 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 it energizes. Nothing destroys joy like sorrow. But then joy completely blasts sorrow away. We all make a choice every single day. Where do I live from? Do I live with the junk that's coming from this world or do I choose to live from a place of joy? It's a choice. It's not a feeling. It's a choice based on truth. You see, sorrow is a force. Grief is a force because it brings heaviness on us. And heaviness, we know, is a spirit. Um, for every force, there's an opposite force. Joy is the opposite to grief. Joy is the opposite to heaviness. Joy lifts heaviness. Joy lifts and grief and sadness off of us. It breaks it off of us. There are times when the weights of this world weigh down and they're not necessarily visible on the outside, but inside they grow like a cancer and they can eat away at us. They can sap our strength. They can sap our life. You know, our shoulders droop. Our, we, we lose that spring in our step. But joy is the antidote for all of that. Um, in horse racing, they will they do those well, they handicap races where they will um, put weights on a horse um, to bring it back to the field to even the whole field out. Um, do you know, folks? That's exactly what the devil tries to do to you and I. We're actually meant to live way beyond where people who don't know Christ live. Not, with, not that we're, we're not superior, we're not some elite group, but we're actually meant to live from a different place. And the devil is always trying to bring us back to the same field as the unredeemed. But we're not meant to carry the kind of weights that he's trying to put on us. The only weight we are meant to carry is the tangible weightiness of God's glory and his presence. That God's glory is weighty because it carries the riches of his goodness. It carries the richness, the riches of his blessing. Um, the, the, the Hebrew word is the word kabod, and it actually it talks about that weightiness of God's glory. That's, that's what we're meant to carry. We're not meant to carry the weights of this world. 
So the writer Hebrews says in Hebrews 12, he says, let us throw off everything that hinders. Let us throw up forcefully. Throw off. We, need, we need joy to come like a force that we rise in faith forcefully and throw off this stuff that tries to come against us. We need to laugh at the devil sometimes. You need to laugh at the enemy. You need to laugh at the circumstances that are, that are trying to crush you. Paul, locked in a Philippian jail, rejoices, and he sings praises to God, and freedom comes. And sometimes you and I, but we just need to rejoice in faith and use joy as a weapon and see God come. See God break into our situation. So how often do you do that? That's a, that's a challenging word to me as well. Because there are days when I have, when I think, oh, no, I just, man, I don't know how I'm going to get through today. You know, there's just stuff that goes on. There's, um, it's not always easy. And I have to make a choice. I have to make a definite choice. Am I going to complain today or am I going to be joyful? And uh, am I going to rejoice? And the word rejoice means to just be joyful again. Rejoice. Rejoice. Do you choose to be joyful? When you understand that it's an incredibly powerful weapon that will break off heaviness, he has not given us a spirit of despair, but he has given us a spirit of joy. You are clothed with a robe of righteousness and with a, with a crown of joy. So we make the choice every single day, folks. Joy is not simply an emotion. Joy is not the same as happiness. Joy is a divine supernatural force. So number one, joy is divine in nature. Number, number two, joy is, what was number two? Um, <clears throat> joy releases supernatural strength into our lives. And number three, joy is a powerful weapon. And uh, we've, we're running out of time and I'm not going to be able to get to all the other things I had for you. So I've got some stuff for you. So I hope that's helpful. Make a choice this week. Make a choice. Do I live with complaint? Am I going to live with sorrow? Or am I going to choose, despite the circumstances that's going on around me, am I going to choose to live from a place of joy? And as we do, as we choose to live from joy, like I tell you, you will find supernatural strength come into your life where you're able to rise above whatever it is that's trying to come against you. Amen? Father, help us. Help every single one of us today. Help. Lord, I pray for those who are tuning in later and watching this later. Father, that, that the reality of what we have received, that we, that we are redeemed, that we've been redeemed from the curse of the Lord, that we have salvation, we have eternal life, we've been forgiven, we've been adopted as sons. All of these wonderful truths that have come to us because of you, because we are in you, they release joy in us that comes from deep within, from within our spirit, not simply from our mind, not simply from our emotion, but we rest with that deep sense of security. Yes, the kingdom is righteousness, 
peace and joy. And I pray that those, those, those three realities would just flow over every one of us today. Everyone who is on this meeting right now, everyone who is going to look at it and listen to it later. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Thank you, Jesus, that you've made us righteous. Thank you, Father, we can rest in that. And in that rest and that security, we have peace, and that peace will overflow to joy. And our prayer is this week, Father, let that overflow onto everyone that we have contact with. Let it flow out of our lives and touch others. In Jesus' name, amen.